0: Carrying huge space, look how fast he's going. Polar opposite to the conditions he won in Lords. Rain so glorious. Getting the last step down, The crowd is roaring. He is going to do it. He's going to smash the time. Oh, oh,
1: Downhill racer and our expert here today, Andrew Needling.
0: We will get to the episode, I promise. But this is exciting news I have to share it with you. The podcast is going visual. We are on YouTube. So if you enjoy watching podcasts, make sure you go to Moving the Needle Podcast on YouTube. So search it on your YouTube. You'll find it. Hit that subscribe button and then watch some of the clips if you don't mind. Maybe leave some comment. Let's get some engagement because the more we get the YouTube out there, the more I can get awesome guests. And that's probably the biggest thank you you can do for me right now. Let's build up that YouTube. So share it with some friends. Check those clips. Leave us some comments. And I appreciate that, man. Let's get to the episode. During my racing years and even now, I take my health and nutrition pretty seriously, I must say. It was so difficult, though, to stick to a routine and to remember to take all those necessary supplements. Then I found AG1. I'm so excited to partner with them personally and for this podcast. I actually started taking AG1 long before this partnership even came about. Now, you might ask, what is this stuff? Think of AG1 as your all-in-one health insurance. I know I do. I have never been one for taking a million different supplements or vitamins. So this is the perfect all-in-one solution. Honestly, I actually look forward to taking it. I do it first thing in the morning. I feel more alert and focused, and I know I'm taking care of my body and health. I feel energized to get my day going. Covering my nutritional basis for the day literally couldn't be easier, and that's why I trust AG1. I just mix one small scoop with water and drink it first thing each morning, as I said, and then I'm done. So check this out. With that one scoop of AG1 I've been talking about, you're absorbing, listen to this, 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced ingredients, probiotics and adaptogens to help start your day right. This is a special blend of ingredients that supports your gut health, nervous system, immune system, recovery and helps enhance your focus. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs and none of that nasty chemical artificial anything, all while still tasting good. Now let's all be honest with each other. We all know we don't eat enough vegetables or consume the healthiest meals some of the time, especially when we get busy. We all want something quick and easy which will help us in life. AG1 supports better sleep quality recovery, mental clarity and alertness. Now, i don't care what you do in life i think we can all agree this is super important ag1 is trusted by so many professional athletes and health experts if a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine then try ag1 and get a free one year supply of vitamin d and five free ag1 travel packs with your first purchase go to drinkag onecom forward slash moving the needle that's again drinkag1.com forward slash moving the needle to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. The link will be in the show notes as well. Hello, how's it world? Welcome back. This is the Crank Brothers Race Review. You know it by now. Crank Brothers is synonymous with DH Racing. Last year celebrating, I say last year, this year celebrating 30 years in a row. I forget World Champs has happened already and it was an epic race. They won it again, both men's and women, in that mallet DH pedal. It's not just pedals. Crank Brothers have been adding to their product offering over the last few years. And exciting is you can see it now with a bunch of podium contenders and race winners that are in their shoes. Riders like Troy Brosnan, Benoit Coulange, who's out with an injury. Camille Balon, he's also out. Man, it's been a hectic season, and I've pulled in none other than a Crank Brothers ambassador and coach to the stars, Alan Mulway. Well, we know the pedals work, and you would have wanted Crank Brothers in those practice conditions at Snowshoe.
1: <laughs> oh, Andrew, what what a race! Um, it's really cool to talk about the race with you. You know now because. For once, I, I wasn't actually there. So it was nice. I sort of got a really different angle on it. Um, some of the conversations I was having with the riders in all times of day and night, because of the time zone difference was really interesting. And uh, like you were saying, it did look as though it was quite an attritional race, you know, for bodies and bikes. It, it was it was tough going.
0: Yeah, you heard some of the riders, someone like Loris, he does not want to go back there, and I don't blame him. He, he looked mentally drained, physically um, some horrendous crashes. Unlucky as well, I think the inconsistency of the conditions on the first few days, as well as now that the track has just really got a lack of dirt in those rock sections. I mean, we're asking these riders to push to the limits, uh, as they always will. Um, and it's really a roll of the dice. I don't think it's lack of skill. I don't think it is bad line choice. It's just the, the conditions of the tracks, they're not consistent, run in and run out. Like anything can happen.
1: Yeah, it, it did certainly look as though um, to get those rock sections right and consistently right was very, very hard. And looking at you know some of the, the track side videography, some of the um like John Lawler's vital stuff, some of the raw footage, some of the POV stuff. It was really interesting to see that a rider will come into a line and they might shoot left or shoot right. And they're not expecting that. And and I think that's what makes it uh really, really worrying in a way. And seeing Dean Lucas's crash, that was a really scary one. I'm so glad he's okay because that tree did take quite a few victims, didn't it? And it it's one of those where, if, yeah, we don't want to see people get hurt and to see Coulange get injured before the race was really frustrating for everyone because obviously, you know, he, he's in that fight and he won an Um But having a track like that, again, does it, act, does it bring something in a way that we want in downhill where we've got different tracks? They're not, you know, it's not this traditional bike park track. We've got, different gradients the rock section is inconsistent and it certainly makes up something that uh brings another another flavor another angle to the championship
0: yes i mean i i, I hear you i think there's arguments on both sides it definitely is a, a different rider can sort of come up to the top uh someone that's good at carrying speed rock sections like a different skill on a bike i totally hear that especially in the dry obviously it is hmm. it's more consistent the dry but we kind of know maybe at the end of the year, we're going to have a little bit of moisture there potentially. I just wonder that there is more dirt on that mountain. I've raced there yeah, back in the day yeah, and, yeah. and a different layout. And I'm not going at the track pools, I'm not at all. I'm just saying maybe this year we saw more than ever with these amount of crashes. Like you're going to have crashes, you riders are going to get it. We know that with the sport and, and we never want to see that. Though thank goodness Dean Lucas looks like he's yeah. going to be okay. And that's hellishly scary. It just doesn't look that fun either for the riders, you know, they, they have to be there. They're professional. I'm just hoping maybe we can find more sections of the mountain with more dirt. You know, of course, rock sections are awesome. Like you said, it brings out a different crop of riders that might be at the top, you know, Ronan Dunn clearly does well there. Bernard Kerr, she's done well there over the years. Um, so that's pretty awesome. And what got me thinking is, I think there's a reason there are these youngsters at the top at this track. I think you could, if you threw caution to the wind and it paid off uh, versus someone that's more experienced or doesn't mm. feel like risking it as much or is hesitant after seeing some of these crashes. I mean, there's a whole host of reasons that you might not put 110% running at that track.
1: Yeah, that track was an interesting one, wasn't it? Because what you saw in those results was some different riders getting up in the mix, and another thing to bear in mind with this is I think two factors that I, I thought about a lot. The first was the, the stage we are in the season. So within the last two, you know last two rounds, uh, potentially stuff is on the, on the table for the overall. Riders are trying to manage the race. I know it was quite interesting because Dakota messaged me between the semi and the final. And I think Dakota's semi was possibly the run of the day to be honest, when you when you watched it and he crashed and that's game over, really. That's like, well, he's not making the final, but the nature of his crash and the ability to jump straight back up and get back on the bike and push to get down was incredible to get in. I think he was fifth in the semi with, with that yes. crash, which is fifth, unbelievable, fifth. off the bike. Um, but you could tell from his mindset, he was thinking about the risk, you know, Am I going to risk everything on a risky line when actually I could get down and get a podium so he was he had that you know where do I go here? Do I risk everything and throw caution to the wind or do do I try to manage it and he did an astounding job I think to put in that run on home soil and and sort of find probably what he'd call a happy medium um because he'd shown, he's obviously come in with a lot of momentum from the U.S. Open. He's on home soil. And I think the being on home soil for a U.S. rider, I don't know because I'm not American, but I would think it almost plays into your hands even more because you spend so much time on the other side of the world. You know, the World Cup Series is predominantly based in Europe, so you're a long way from home and you're living at a hotel beds. And, and you know the score. You spent months on the road. And eventually you finally go home and you're like, hey, I'm home. And I do think that helps. And the other factor that I think plays in potentially is that the big factory teams can't take over their huge articulated lorries. They can't take over their next level of support. And it sort of makes the playing field a little more level. And so if you're used to pitting out of an easy uptent, nothing's changed but if you're potentially used to having you know what we've got a truck upstairs in the affertons with a big tv on it and we can sit down and review footage in an air conditioned leather seated couch area that's not snowshoe is it so you've got you're maybe having to adapt a little bit more some riders it will feel a little bit alien um and the third thing is actually where the pits were because the pits are at the top and uh, Danny was telling me that their pit setup was actually in the garage of the hotel they were staying at and they could see the start line from the hotel room. So this is a very different setup to what's, you know, what people are used to. And I think some of these elements might m- sort of mix things up a bit, mightn't they?
0: Yeah, I, I think um, the level of the playing field, I fully agree. I mm. think it does level it a little bit more, you know, and, and some of these big name teams and riders are maybe a little bit more out of their comfort zone. It's a little bit more like a local race to them. Yeah. Um, maybe they don't feel as prepared and they don't have as much support. But obviously they can all rise to the occasion. We know that. But it does level a little bit more. The Dak thing and, and hearing some of his comments, like I think he managed it incredibly well and probably being able to lean in, in and talk to you and stuff like that in between runs. That's super interesting. I want to hear more about that. Mm. I think it's more pressure. Someone like Greg Minoz, obviously, unbelievable at dealing with that. But other riders, I think it's easier to race in Europe because just every fan that he goes past, come on, Dak, bring it home. Come on, Dak, you can do this. Yeah, interested. The amount of pressure that I think you have to manage is is unbelievable because that's all Dak wants is to win on home soil or get a podium. So Mm. I think it's like maybe a sigh of relief to get the podium, even though he maybe knows that he can win races now, like he firmly believes that. Yeah. He's seen it. So uh, you no, know, props to him. Um, he obviously maybe was more hesitant at the top. His splits weren't quite as good. Easy to make a mistake on that track. Don't get me wrong. Um, but yeah, I saw an inspired ride in the semis and then he really built speed towards the towards the bottom. So I think he's super satisfied with that. But I almost thought it's a hell of a lot of pressure to deal with racing on home soil, especially when you know you can maybe win the thing.
1: So hard. And uh it was interesting to see the the finals play out with that top section where it was a sort of a pieced a piece mm. section where you turn left before the V tree that everyone was jumping through. And that rut was getting pushed and pushed and blown and riders were going down. And Gwynny, even in the commentary box, sort of alluded to texting the team to say, have you seen this? Do you know that that rut's going? And after subsequent two... I think two or three riders went down. I think Luca was one of them. And um, I do wonder whether the word got back up to the top because people did seem to push a little wider, didn't they, around that corner? And they got just hooked around the tough block. And I think some people gave up time, but for the the bigger picture, knowing that you, could, you couldn't win the race, but you could certainly lose it there.
0: Yeah, you could certainly lose it. Yeah, that's so critical. And I think also what's something to note, and wouldn't you agree that that's the driest and fosters the track would have run. So it was a total guess of strategy. You would have been hitting things faster. You saw that with Laurie uh, Greenland, potentially hit those sort of jumps and those rises faster than ever, and he just got unweighted, and he was into a tree. Like You have to push that hard because the winner was going to go that hard, but it was the guy that stayed on and managed that sort of – yeah, it's a roll of the dice, racing, because it's just guesswork. You've never even hit those sections that fast that whole week. And, and Osen did that off-camber about as good as you could without crashing. He yes. really did. He yeah, ran yeah. it wider than I he should have, but he got away yeah. with it.
1: Yeah, it, it's, those weeks are always interesting because the, it seemed to play out as per the forecast. So when I'd looked at the forecast, and I often send my riders an overview with two forecasts, to sort of refer to and we just try and get a plan for what might happen and sometimes it's quite accurate and it's quite nice because you can plan to that but other times it it just goes out the window and you can only apologize you know you thought hey i (laughs) I was told it was going to be sunny but um, the forecast did suggest that it was going to get drier and it's a real difficult situation because in a way you could say i should manage my time do i need to risk another run in these conditions because in actual fact, I'm not going to be riding in them. But on the flip side to that, Greg has you know, stated that he didn't feel as though he quite got everything together in terms of his practice and get enough runs and build up to speed quick enough. And I think he had some mechanical issues along the way and everything didn't certainly didn't go according to plan in that respect. And that sort of gets you to the point where if you haven't laid down fast runs by qualifying, by semi, how are you going to be able to step that up? And you could see with the follow cam, riders were over jumping sections. And if your suspension was a bit soft, I was thinking, if you haven't hardened your bike up for this speed and this, these conditions, the bike's just going to bounce you straight offline. And I'm not suggesting it was a bike area with lorry, but you almost saw that style of, you know, sort of get out of sync and, and you're suddenly off track.
0: So what what was the conversation like with these riders? So maybe if you can get us some inside info without giving away stuff, like you're mentioning, there's weather. You're mentioning if you're not comfortable, don't risk it too early. What what was some of the conversations you you can have with these riders? Sometimes it's um,
1: often it's only when something's not going right. That's the long and the short of it. Generally, if I get a message, you know that. They're not going, hey Ellen, I'm having a great time. Everything's perfect. <laughs> you know, you know that there's there's sort of something that's going on. And and I'd um, I'd message the riders like, once I'd seen results and I was like, How was it? And I know from qualifying, Danny was really satisfied with qualifying. He was like, Yep, here we go. You know, it it's all sort of where I want it to be. And then the flip side, what can you say when the guys, I think he was third at the first split and then has that crash first time in his career he doesn't make the final that's you know devastating for him and really frustrating um and you can only sympathize you can only you know try and help him understand that he's going to feel frustrated and it is incredibly frustrating but you've got to be able to pick yourself up and uh take the positives from it the speed's there you know yeah he was
0: seventh seventh in quali right and then the semis third at the split or the first exactly or two yeah yeah so So it was a big big crash or just like a racing incident in those conditions from my understanding he came into a rut that was
1: a rut had formed and he was the rut had got deeper and more supportive each run and when he hit that rut it almost just hooked him in a different way and just spat him offline and all of a sudden that that was it but it's a really i guess it's a one of those things that happens when you're pushing that hard and as the track's developing i think uh that's certainly hard and for dakota i knew that he'd probably have not spooked himself but he might have put himself in a conflictive frame of mind after coming off in the semis and i I was just trying to say, that's an incredible result to be able to pick the bike up and, you know, get your head back down again was was amazing. Um, and I think he, he felt as though, I was sort of reading between the lines from what he said because I wasn't with him, but it sounded as though he was wondering, maybe there was a couple of, alternate lines because you know Dakota's one of these guys that's always got an alternative line and he, he always looks for something a bit different and potentially he was umming and ahhing whether he should take one of those or stick to something a bit more consistent and I felt as though the consistency would win through in that situation because of the nature of the track there's so many opportunities where things can go wrong and when you're watching a race I found it really really different because I watched everything I could and you get a very different perspective because when you're on the hill, you're looking at one section and you're really aware of what's happening in that one section, but you you don't often get the the overview. And this is almost like taking a step back and seeing the full picture a little bit more potentially. Um, so yeah, it, it was certainly an interesting thing. And then obviously the poor union boys had a bit of a torrid time of it and girls it, it didn't go according to plan for the union team. And yeah, um, Chris Hauser had an awful crash. And so we we're discussing that injury. Ollie Davis had a big crash. He's got a huge hematoma, poor guy. Um, and yeah, and Lockheed didn't even manage to get on the bike. He was still suffering from the injury. So you're having these sort of conversations back and forth and really trying to support, maybe just give another perspective. Sometimes when you're in the trenches, yeah. you know, you need someone to go, Hey, it may be this or take a step back. So Yeah, it was was an incredible race, really, wasn't it? And and to see how things built up and to see the speed that seemed to pick up again from semis to finals. How on earth do they do it?
0: Yeah, I mean, the riders are even pretty perplexed themselves. Um, Hearing like Dylan Leves saying, I don't know how I went six seconds quicker. Felt like I left it all out there in semis. And uh, track conditions certainly would have helped with the time, you know, the physical time. But there's that mental side of being able to push harder, even if track conditions are a bit quicker. No, I mean, the race delivered. You know, we might pick apart the track a little bit. And that's always me, obviously, having a little bit of a bias as a former rider and and listening to the interviews and and watching and Mm. going. It's not nice if you committed and then you just get flung offline. You know, that's not rider error. There is a lot of... Mistakes there that are not rider error, or because someone pushed too f- fast, or you know, bike setup was was totally off. So that's just where I sit on that. But the race does deliver. It's a different style track. American fans are so passionate. They they know most, if not all, the riders by names. All the Europeans as well. They're really into it. They follow the sport. The industry's there as well. So you've got a race in America. You, oh, I agree. you damn well you damn Yeah, well yeah, for sure, um, for sure. So that, that was awesome to see. And I mean, uh, seven races and seven different winners in the elite category. Plus we've got, you know, the two juniors that came up and then Osen's only second year in elite, you know, with these injuries and this 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 elite career that some people say, oh, maybe he isn't going to make the step up to these top ranked elite riders. You know, you could have easily tried to say that about him. But if you really looked at the full picture and where he came from, the junior world champs, you know those sort of wins are not fluke. No, uh, no. Some people just take longer to adjust to the elite field. All these is uncontrollable. It about injuries. But you damn well wouldn't have put a lot of money on those two being one and two would Irish you? coming 1, into 2. the race.
1: I hey, I, I, it's just a, a phenomenal. And to what's what's really interesting with Oshin is his rise there was this sort of junior world champion. And then, like you said, with the injuries, and I was trackside at his bike when he had that horrible wrist injury. And it was very sad because he was in Andorra. He'd ridden a section of track through the rocks and all the videographers were on the side of the track. And they were all goading him, go and do it again. We'll get a good shot. We'll get a good shot. Go up, push up and do it again. Shroud into this. And he pushed back up. Did exactly as they said, Shrap the turn, got bucked over the rocks. There you go. Huge crash. And it was so sad because he didn't need to have done that. You know, he, he wouldn't have blamed anyone. And that I'm not suggesting anyone's to blame for that. But it was one of those things where a potentially a more seasoned rider would have gone, no, boys, you can get your shot next run. I'll carry on down the track. And those little things can really swing a season can't they so we sort of lose sight of him for that period of time where he recovers and comes back and then all of a sudden he has this chance to shine and um what i think was lovely and we've seen it this is the second time we've seen it so readily is how the sort of uh allegiance the riders ha- have for each other, like to see how excited Ronan was for O'Sheen and like on the podium where Bruni crashes and they're just stunned. They're not happy that Bruni crashed at all. They're just stunned. No. And then like Ronan looks at O'Sheen and says, you just won a world cup, you know, and, and they're both so happy for each other, but they respect the fact that Bruni was pushing. They respect the fact that he's gone down and they didn't want to see it. But that is the, the sport in itself you know so those riders to go one and two i can only imagine what john lauder was going through watching all of that happen
0: (laughs) oh incredible yeah No, the veterans of the irish downhill scene but yeah first irish winner of a world cup not to mention you know how young he is and it just got me thinking like this track can you know it's just suited to the youngsters just sort of ignorance is bliss they're just going as hard yeah. as humanly possible on a track that is just treacherous. Do we think that, uh, like, is this a changing of the guard? Of like, each time we say it, and then the veterans come back and experience plays through, and it will on, on a longer track like Mount Anne? probably. I'll say that. Probably going to see the veterans back there, and but each well, year the the guys are getting younger and younger. You know, Troy took longer to win a first World Cup than this. Jackson's won in his first year. Jordan in his first year. The sport's getting younger as we sit here talking about it.
1: That that's that's definitely true. But the the guy who's leading the series is a wily old dog. And yeah, but that's yeah, leading the series. Yeah. Well, but so so this is the question: Is this does this win tell us that downhill is is? predominantly driven by an like your skill level. Is your skill level the thing that makes you stand out? Or are all of these riders, shall we say 10, 12, 15 of them, do they have the skill to win a World Cup? But it's the other factors that play in to allow that to happen. So if you are riding free, if you are riding with confidence, if you are riding with nothing to lose, if you're riding with a big smile on your face, is that actually the thing that's going to be the differentiator because we've seen with seven different winners it's quite clear that there's you know you don't have to be the top 3 in the world to win a world cup you could be top 7 top 8 top 10 and i think that's so exciting and to me it it makes me think of almost BMX where if you were to have a start gate of eight riders if you had that same eight riders on the gate four different times you could potentially have four different winners depending on what plays out. And that's only over 30 seconds. And and I wonder if downhill's almost getting to that point where it's expressing your skill level at its very best, at your, you know, can you express your potential riding at its very best? And that's what plays out.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a, a tough question to answer. I think the skill level has broadened. So yeah. in the past, there was just, uh, there was just certain, you could give a guy, a few goes at it, and he wasn't going to get a fast enough time down the mountain to win a World Cup. But now, I mean, you say seven, eight guys could win this race. I mean, the number's bigger. There's seven yeah, the, yeah, se- yeah. the seven the season, yeah. Ocean's come from one top ten in his career to when the track suits him and he's riding free and the momentum's on his side, wow, he's got the skill and the speed to do it. And then all those other things luckily fall in – fell in a row you know with with you know being able to go be second last down a hill and put a run like that together
1: yeah absolutely a that's
0: that's really special yeah now yes you go back to a Loic bruni and your greg manaz and these guys with experience well over a season on different tracks that's where the cream rises to the crop be able to ride well when you know mentally you're not quite there meaning you don't like the track or you're not quite juggling with the bike. Well, you've got to dig deeper and, and, and make it happen. I think so, yeah, I'm yeah. sort of going around on the question, but I think skill level has broadened.
1: Yeah.
0: Training and fitness is leveled out. Yeah. You know, you could probably learn enough on YouTube to be a pretty fit downhiller these days. I mean, I'm not <laughs> taking away from your job. If you want I'm, to be the very best, you need to employ someone like you, and you get those little finer, little incremental gains. Uh, more and more people are probably seeing sports psychologists, more and more people are seeing that it's possible.
1: Yeah. Imagine
0: everyone seeing Osin win, they're going to be like, well, I could do that. I've been beating him all year. So, you know,
1: and I think that only fuels what's going to be exciting and what makes downhill so good, because that was thrilling to watch. And I was getting, you know, what's cool for me is to be able to sort of see it through my friend's eyes as, the, you know, they're just fans of the sport going, oh my God, look at this. And, you know, at one point, Ronan was first and Dakota second. And one of my friends was like, bloody hell, Millway one and two at the minute. And I was like, tell me about it. I'm on the edge of my seat. You know, <laughs> I know full well what this means. So that excitement's there. And I hadn't, maybe I'd buried my head in the sand. I having been at all the races, but I hadn't realized the negativity was so strong towards the semis. Until I watched, until I got a flavor, there seems to be, from a rider's point of view, much less excitement around the semis. But from a spectator's point of view, do you think a semi is a good thing? When you're watching it, are you like, hey, we're just ramping up? Or do you think that semi makes it even harder for riders and is a bit of an anticlimactic thing unless you're really into it?
0: Um I, <laughs> You're squir- you're I'm, squirming. You're squirming. I'm so squirming, man. <laughs> I I could answer with saying I didn't watch the semis. That's it. Really the truth. Really? That, yeah, okay, that the semis. Seems, okay, that's But you can't say something's bad because there's too much of it. Because then you just don't watch it. So I can't sit here about say anything about the semis. I just didn't tune into the semis. I look at the results, I speak to you, I speak to people on the ground, I I get a story for what's happening in the semis. But, you know, the product's the final though, but on the ground, I understand the semis, like Leger, right? So those spectators are trucked up the hill in Leger. Yeah. Yeah. Or now at Snowshoe, they do get to see the stars race twice. Like they're giving it a pretty good go. So on site, it's pretty damn cool. But the riders don't like it. They it don't, don't want to. do Yeah,
1: it. it doesn't sit. So it's and like, I, I can understand. I can it's, understand. It's a that.
0: super big catch 22, I think. So yeah. I do sit on the fence with it. Yeah. Because there's I, I arguments the for answer. both sides. Um, and speaking to people high up in powers that be, it, it's almost like a re rank. So say the qualifying happened in the wet, which it kind of did in Snowshoe. Mm. Then in the morning, they're hoping that the conditions will be similar to the finals. So then if people race, then they re-rank so that the last few for the broadcast, it's exciting. They've obviously got a, hoping for a re-rank. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you're Which tra- they kind of got for this one, right? Yeah. You so want they to could get, argue their yeah. side.
1: I, I guess so what you a- want to find is that the last man down the hill has the potential to win the race based on his current form. And the yeah. last girl down the hill has the potential to win the race. You don't want the last person down the hill coming in mid-pack and the person who's won it has been, I don't know. I think you want it to build to a crescendo, don't
0: you? Definitely. Yeah. 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 Um. So yeah, there's pros and cons to it all. You know, the byproduct of going to it, we lost Danny Hart. There's been casualties. Uh, the race winner of this race has not been in all the finals this year, if you look at yeah. the results. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So there's casualties to those these decisions. Um, we could probably spend multiple podcasts on the pros and cons of it. But it is interesting when you're home, right? So for you, being the coach, you probably want all the information you can get. The more you can gather, yeah, the absolutely. more you can then help dissect yeah. and feed to each rider a, as you will. So no, I mean, I understand. I see its place. Yeah, but does it? It sort of takes away to sit down for every fan to watch semis and final. Yeah, I don't that's think a bit that would, tough.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think that for if you, if you think about someone who wants to enjoy the product, they're going to want the final, and that's really what they're interested in, and that's what is the the showcase. Um, yeah, something that comes to mind. You know, we we've, we've been talking about what makes the successful racer, and what is that ingredient. I saw a fascinating interview with Valley and I thought that gave a really good insight because they were interviewing Valley after the race and asked her, you know, essentially, how did it go? And she'd had problems in qualifying and in semi, and I think had crashed in each of those. And she knew that if she got a good result, that would be the overall. And from what she said, trying to paraphrase and, you know, uh, quite her somewhat accurately, she essentially was saying that she tried to take it steady and have a nice smooth run. And when she got to the bottom, she was a little frustrated to see how close she was. And I think that's a really interesting insight because if she could almost bottle that mentality and go, you know what, if I just ride smooth and I ride like Valley and I ride how I know I can ride, that's fast and consistent and I know where to push. And sometimes there's the potential to almost try and override And I know when Rachel was at the very top of her game, there was a point where she was trying to not only win, but trying to thrash everyone. And, you know, you suddenly go over that edge of going, well, I'm now riding ragged. I'm now not maybe thinking about the corner I'm about to ride around. I'm actually thinking about something else. And I'm thinking about the outcome as opposed to where I am at the moment. And I thought that was really interesting because it shows the speed at which you can carry when you're riding somewhat within yourself, you know, having that sort of flow and being in that mind mindset. And I, it was nice to sort of see that there was a reflection on her part. It certainly wasn't a case of going, I just dribbled down the hill to get down. You know, she was clearly trying to put in a run, but a run within herself. And then she realized, actually that's a good pace I've got there, Um, which I think is a really interesting thing.
0: You would say it showed maturity. I mean, mm. if she crashed in Quali and semis, now she still won semis, yeah. so she knows the speeds there. But she also crashed the previous race, so that's three race runs in a row that she crashed. I mean, I would think the subconscious, and with that title, that showed some maturity. Like, okay, Valley, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you exactly do have the speed that. to win. Exactly, You're riding a little on the ragged edge. The course is not that consistent, so. Yeah. Let's yeah, it is frustrating to like home. be so close knowing and I'm not taking anything from away from Maureen. I think the way Maureen wrote, she deserved to win. She was attacking. She built throughout the day clearly. Um, and the momentums on her side. I mean, that's seven World Cup wins now.
1: Oh, so you know, a lot of the hype yeah.
0: has been on Valley yeah. and, and Cami, and and Nina now. And Maureen's just slowly been building back from those those injuries. And you forget how many World Cup wins she has, you know. It's it's pretty damn impressive.
1: It's been really good to see that return, and I think that's a really successful, strong return to the sport. And she certainly, yeah, those sort of referring to Valley's interview is certainly in, in no may, no way trying to play down that because yeah, yeah, i read I read something after Leger and someone had put up a comment on the UCI. Instagram feed that really triggered me. They were like, oh, Valley's the only one in the race. And I was like, that's just rubbish. And I really had, I, I was like, yeah, no. Yeah, it clearly is rubbish. Yeah. Like,
0: it's, you know, mean enough, look at the enough. depth
1: of this and look how the girls are pushing each other. And the simple fact that Valley is crashing is showing she wants to push because she's not just gonna roll down the hill and win this. And the when you're actually trackside and you see, it, it's phenomenal to see how the girls are pushing and pushing and pushing and I think that's that's only exciting because I do feel as though that strength and depth is starting to to really grow and um I think Shana Hearn had another really good result I think she was fifth in qualifying in this or in the semi and again another rider who's sort of on that YT team you know and maybe building off that vibe of Oshin her teammate and um Millie as well. She's had a good season this year. So a lot of these girls are sort of they're pushing on and pushing on, and and it makes I think I, I've I've mentioned it before. Just this top ten in the final, I almost think is too few. I think that it, it would be nice to have maybe more, maybe the fifteen in the final.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would I would vote for that if there was a vote, if it was democratic. Yeah. Maybe it's, we would ask for a democratic vote on the semi in the final, and then the fifteen. And I think each podcast, I mean, it's a race review podcast. That's what the racing is about. I mean, I think I agree. Yeah. And on top of that, potentially the men is not 30 anymore because you've got a race winner that hasn't been in the final the whole time. Why is that? <laughs> oh, if he's a race it. winner, I know. he's clearly showing enough speed. He should show enough speed to be in the final. So, yeah, it's a super interesting. But mentioning these riders, I think – and why it's so exciting is it's unpredictable.
1: You yes, don't yes. know
0: who's going to win the race. Yeah, and you don't only know that you don't. It's going to be a, it potentially is a new race winner. I mean, it hasn't been this exciting in many years. You know, it's something that many it's only in the last few years that we getting a lot. Yeah, we're getting a lot of these new winners, and then this year it's like boom.
1: I really think this is something to, that downhill should be marketing is the fact that it is so exciting. You don't know, it's not cast in stone who's gonna win. If you look at other sports, you look at Formula One, something's almost got to go wrong for Max Verstappen not to win. And you look at the outdoor motocross this year, Jet Lawrence, you could tie one hand behind his back and he was still gonna win,
0: you (laughs) know, it's- And and they're getting the viewership. You're like, what are we doing here?
1: Yeah, so just to have something where you tune in and you're expecting a result, you know, you're almost, the narrative's already laid out for you. Downhill isn't that. It's it's almost being able to tell the story of these riders so we could get to know a broader range. So more people can know about these riders who could potentially win on that day. And that to me is an, a really exciting side to it. Um, and something that I, yeah, I, I just feel as though on a track like this, building up the sort of the home crowd, the nature of the fact the start was at the top. I think psychologically that must almost be different because for a lot of riders, I think they use that 10 minutes in the chairlift or on the you know, on the chairlift, in the gondola, going to the top, to almost go, right, okay, they go through the track in their head, they might go through some preparation, build that anticipation. You're looking over the track as you're going up, you often get a chance to have a little spot, a little look. But when you watch a rider's head cam and he's come out of his tent, turn left down a main street and then bang, he's at the start hut. You're like, Whoa, that's a, it's a very different way to go about things. And some of these elements, they do build a different challenge into into a race and, and, and getting yourself in that frame of mind on such a tricky track where, you know, it's almost like, Am I going to get to the bottom in one piece? Am I going to end up on the line I want to be on? Is something going to jump out and bite me? That Those are the sorts of things that uh, must be a real challenge for, for the riders.
0: Although did Ronan and Osun even think of those things? <laughs> like, is there an ignorance is bliss thing? And I'm not downplaying their sort of racing intellect. I just, I wonder if it's there yet. The scar tissue. There's not much scar. Yeah. Well, there's some scar tissue. Yeah. Did you but, hear Ronan uh, out of the
1: start Shout at himself in his finals run. No.
0: Come he on. He shouted himself. Yeah, yeah. Come <laughs> that's on. epic. And they,
1: they, they, oh, that says epic. it all, doesn't it? He was just like, right, I'm going to attack I'm giving this. it everything. I'm giving it everything. There was no sort just of w- track management in that respect. But I think his... <laughs> I do think he's, he, he has got more consistent and I would like to think oh, there is, yeah, he isn't this kamikaze rider and he's so exciting to watch and he's he somehow just fine-tuned it that little bit and I think there is something going on between the ears, a little bit more than we'd like to think but that full attack mode was something that was phenomenal to see and um, yeah, and then for Ocean to go even faster you know it, it just shows how hard these boys are are willing to push and, and almost disregard the potential for for crashing
0: i mean that's what you needed on that track i mean yes you need it on every track but sometimes especially that track to put it that on the edge where you could see some of the deflections almost happening and then that's just a pedal stroke Oof. and a pushing and they were those two were really good at just making sure everything was going forward yeah, they were obviously light like ocean. He, he was really light on the bike as well. He was really tactical and there was yeah. pre- precision there on the rocks. But you could see he was a little bit lighter, not getting hung up and, and really making sure there was forward momentum being light. And then there was pedal strokes here and then and just like driving through the chunder as well. And yeah. like attacking the bike forward. So oh man. Fair, fair play. Did they break that town or what? Did you get any texts from the party? What was the party like? Well, I'll tell
1: you (laughs) you funny. I got a message off Ronan at about 9.30 in the morning on Sunday. My time. And I was... Yeah, so you do the maths on that. He's five it's hours behind, s- five, five six, six hours yeah. behind. So it must have been three thirty, four o'clock in the morning. But it was quite a coherent message. You know, he was like he was basically saying how stoked he was. But I, I was thinking, why is he? I, I was trying to do the maths in my head to think what time is it back there. But I think they would have had a good. Uh, I think those two going out in the town would have been exciting. And um, that that's yeah, that's phenomenal. Really exciting for them.
0: I mean, if you're not in the title hunt, you're going out. Loic's definitely not going out. Jackson probably not. Like the the damn title hunt is still, I know. I'm, I'm still up for for those guys. I mean, the season is made.
1: Have you done the the maths on Loic and the title? Because I can't quite get my head around it.
0: Uh, I haven't done the maths. I just brought it up for us to look at. I just know it's awfully close.
1: Are they doing yeah, double? Po- stand. Are they doing oh, anything like shucks. no points
0: because the because
1: I remember that there was no points oh. for qualifying the final round before and it was all double points for the final? And I, I regret that I haven't got my head around these, uh, these this side of the points. Because I've got to, I
0: well, speaking of points, yeah, I mean, I got help, a uh, gentleman message on the podcast. I thought he reckons because of COVID, that any team can end. If you're on a team roster, you can get entered in without the points. It's not just elite teams. I didn't even know that rule change. Right, um, okay. But yes, they do away with qualifying points and just make all the points for the final. That's what they did in the previous years.
1: But we didn't have the semi, so I don't know how the semis yeah, is then- going to contribute. It could be quite <sighs> exciting. I think. I'm excited to know how it's going, what is required, because this is what's gonna be so fascinating. And it was Snowshoe a couple of years ago, wasn't it, when Danny won and mm, that that yeah. gave the the win to Loic.
0: Yeah, because all the points were up for grabs in the final, yeah. not this. So then are they gonna do away with quality points? We must look it up. If someone's looked it up before us, I mean, I didn't think to look it up. I was gonna get into those details now, yeah, Once it this will gets be released, interesting. To get into that. So, me and you will share see. some texts Yeah. Offline about that for sure. So, yeah, he's got a little bit of a gap. I mean, I mean, when he crashed, he must have been spewing because I don't know if he knew that Jackson had had a flat. And um, and
1: is this something that you want to hear? Do how you know we talk about managing a race and managing risk because it looked as though the commentary Cedric thought that he clipped the tree i thought he clipped the rock i couldn't quite see i don't know whether he caught the tree with his shoulder or his back wheel caught that rock and spat him off but either way it didn't look as though he was he was clearly offline but these things i think if you start to worry too much about let's just get down the hill you you almost cause yourself
0: more problems don't you sorry i just lost you for a little bit there but You'd, you'd finish saying like whether he clipped a rock or a hill but yeah clipped the a, Bruni statement.
1: I was just saying that I, I wasn't clear whether he caught the tree because that's what Cedric had, had said in the contrary, Yeah, he, he mentioned the tree. the tree I, but think I thought he clipped a thing. rock oh he said the he tree. like he
0: got a yeah. little bit offline and thought he would get past the tree and then brr, clipped ah, okay. the tree and then and then, and then it was rocks him. and all she wrote yeah. yeah, he hated himself for crashing, like calling himself stupid and in hindsight should have rode safer for the points. But Loris is creeping up on the points, right? Yeah. But if he had known he could have played it safer, maybe. Well, that's what I was could just you? saying. It's, or do that's you ride exactly- a little tighter and you mess up anyway? It's such a catch-22. Um, I think in an overall title points race, and it's maybe the last race, you definitely want to know right i think you have
1: to because you you need i think i think people work better with the information and and that's really it because if you have the information available to yourself then you can make an informed decision and really the best it would be nice that you need to go out and you need to win the race and if that's what it needs to take to win the overall then you're like well here we go i can just go about the business i almost think it's a harder challenge if Someone has gone down mid pack, and right, Loic, you need to come seventh or sixth. All of a sudden, you're like, "Well, how hard's that? How you know? At what, yeah. uh, what level do I go? Because it's the times are so tight. Even looking at um, when I was comparing the junior, like Ryan Pinkerton's time, I was trying to like compare it based on the conditions, and I think I was comparing it to the qualifying times of the elites. I think he'd have been seventh. So you know you can't hang about or you're going to be 15th before you know it everything is so tight it 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 really makes things um, fascinating going into this final round
0: yeah but i mean he's got he's definitely got a little bit of a lead i mean it's now Loris vergier who's back in the title hunt with him so we've got 42 and 18 oh okay so 60 points it's really not a lot no this it, it it's yeah you There's can get nothing. beat by uh, Loris and then Jackson, okay, he's a little ways back. He's sort of hundred and fifty-ish, hundred and seventy-ish back. So it's certainly gonna be interesting. We can start doing that mass. But I mean, if it's all to the final, then those guys are just gonna race as hard as they can.
1: Yeah. And do you, you,
0: know, do you... but with Loic you know what but with Loic knowing he's got he's got a two, three places that he can get beat by Loris. I mean, you, like you just said, you can't. That's no, not much you can game. manage. No, no, <laughs> no. You can't play that game. No, but do you? No, you can see if, his gut that he's like now. I've really got I've more got pressure. Go. He was like hoping to wrap it up a little yeah. bit better, maybe. But
1: maybe this Loic's so good at world championship events where it is that one one and done. Maybe this actually plays into his into exactly. his advantage.
0: I certainly, as a betting man, would would be betting with that team. You know, hmm. hearing the manager speak a little bit about they've they've got the bike set up, they got the experience, and they got. If you're gonna put your your marbles with someone, you're gonna probably put it with Loic with the experience and those world champs. Like he does well under pressure. He does thrives under it. Yeah, yeah. definitely.
1: And, and talking about that team, it was nice to see uh, Jordan back up there.
0: Yes, yes, you know. definitely. Got 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 notes of Jordan. I mean. You, and you could see it in his riding, it looked like a different rider to yeah. some of the last few rounds. The I last know. few rounds he looked fast, but there wasn't that extra bit of aggression. Here you could see the aggression was back. Uh, that's what I noticed. I, I agree. I, I, being
1: trackside and when he'd come down, he was almost riding tight. There was less sort of freedom of movement in his body and he was he was precise and steady. And just from viewing the footage, this weekend, you could see he was riding freer, and that was lovely to see. I think sixth place, just off the podium, and and that will help sort of give him that confidence um, that he's yeah he fully deserves that spot because when you've got those two those two boys on your team. Um, yeah, there's no gimmies, are there? That's that's a, a high achieving high achieving setup, and and Finn is I think still in the hump for the the title as well mathematically. So it, it's going to be really interesting how um, Laurel, the manager, manages the whole the whole week. I think in Monson-Anne.
0: Yeah, no, definitely, and I mean, you know, for Jordan missing out on a on a final this and then bouncing back with a result like that, that's awesome. You can like breathe a sigh of relief, and I think uh ethan did did super well maybe hoping for a bit more knowing i mean that that team is dissolving i think that's kind of common knowledge on the circuit at least so there's a lot of riders looking for rides so just get yourself you know lots of nice results through the week and to slot into eighth is is something you really need you know going going into probably contract hunts and stuff like that well that's
1: that's something that's probably worth touching on because these two races are coming at the sort of the, the the pointy end of the season. There are a number of teams that are changing, a number of riders that are changing. And it's almost like between runs, you you know, are these riders trying to catch a conversation with the team manager or go and see a sponsor or try and make conversation, you know, what's going on? What my options? You know, I've got something on the cards. And that only adds to the pressure because you ultimately, if all you do is focus on riding your bike and you get your results, everything else takes care of itself. That's the the best way to go about getting the best ride and the best contract is to perform on track. But it's all well and good for me to say that, that the reality is that you probably need to put in some groundwork and there's some managers that probably want to have a coffee and that takes time and it takes energy and it, it must be very, very difficult for a number of riders at this point in the year, when there's contracts on the line, there's teams that are shutting down and you know, riders are going to be. Multiple teams. Yeah, Yeah. There's, there's, there's high level, very high performing riders. The number of them that I know of that the future isn't certain for next year. And that brings another layer of difficulty around the race week, but you know,
0: yeah, it's, it's, it's exactly that. It's so much easier said than done. And for you, it's like, how do you help them with that? Because we could all say, hey, let's let us let your riding do the talking. It's like, well, that's I easy know. for you to say. I'm I on know. a six-figure deal.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know. And
0: I don't know what I'm doing next year. So if I don't pull finger in this race, I'm getting a pay cut or I don't know who I'm riding for. It's a really challenging place to be and I've been there myself. And then on the other side, I think there's certain riders that are performing are also in contract negotiations, but they're getting multiple offers. So do you think that, yes, it's a distraction, but it's kind of fueling the confidence? Like, well, I've already got these three offers. exactly. Like I'm playing on house money right now. Whereas the other guys are like, I'm in the hole. I keep going bust. I'm going to spend some more money and I don't even know know, what's going to happen.
1: I think this is a fascinating side to the sport when, when you've got professional sport in itself is all based on performance results and people have a very short memory. And if you are, if you have got a contract signed or a letter of intent or something that's there to say, hey, we want you for next year, this is our proposed deal. And you go out and you get yourself on the podium, you've got a big smile on your face going, hey, I've got negotiating power. This is brilliant. I can go to the next race and if I perform again, I've got even more negotiating power. Let's talk about the bonus structure. Let's talk about the number of years in the deal. Let's talk about increasing it by 20% if I get a top 10 or whatever, however you're going to play it. I think that's an incredible position to be in. But on the flip side, if you've got your your teams dissolving, your contracts run out, and you haven't quite got the results you want and you don't feel as though you're putting yourself in the best light, oh. The chips are down, aren't they? And, and and what do you do? Do you try and take something and secure something early when maybe you're not getting the best the best value? But on the, the other hand, if you don't get that result, are you putting yourself in an even worse position? So it, it is it's a really difficult thing. And I think it goes back to our initial comments on this sort of different aspects of riding. The skill level is one thing. These guys and girls are incredibly skillful and we can see that when we look at the men's category, especially, you've got a dozen, 15 of them, who could on their day win the race. But it's all of these other elements that put them in that start gate where all they can focus on is riding, essentially, with no other distractions. Can I just ride as fast as I can down this bloody hill? And if you can do that, I think you're in the best posi- you know, best possible place. And it, it shows the sort of psychology involved in elite sport.
0: Yeah, I mean, isn't that why we're here um, chatting, chatting to each other and trying to dissect it, even yeah. though it's, it's so hard to like pinpoint these things. And uh, I think, as you said, like your writing is going to do the speaking. And, and if it's out of your control and you have this bad luck, it's unfortunately the way it's got to go. But if you go out there and know, you know what, I did my best. Yeah, yeah. I committed yeah. to my run, and I crashed in a section. It was inconsistent. I think you must keep your head up high, and you go to the next race, and you do that again. You go through your process. It's all about sticking to your processes, and making sure you you know you're riding as as well as you can. We've all we've all been there. Sometimes you ride a little tighter, just knowing like okay, yeah. well I got to get a result. So tenth looks better than another crash or a flat. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but if you rode without that tightness, you're probably on podium pace. So, Oh man, it's so fascinating. This time of year, especially like with budgets and stuff, like we're in October now. Normally we're wrapped like early September. Some guys were testing already. I heard there was some uh, people testing in Leger, testing other bikes. I don't know where they were doing that because they were doing that in front of people and clearly. But, excuse me. I mean, if you've got a team that's dissolving, or you've got a team that's a um, uh, like a stepping stone team and they know like they can't afford to keep you. That's pretty cool. You're in leger you you're in Port de Soleil. There's all uh-huh. these awesome tracks. You might as well go ride all the bikes you potentially could get offers from. So I know you smiling because I'm sure yeah, you I know, all know about that. Yeah. some of the youngsters <laughs> that be riding. I know about that. Riding. I think it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. Um, it
1: is. But, but I again, love does, hearing it. does that not fuel the riding with a smile on your face, riding free, going, you know what? I've got something in the bank here. Someone wants me. They're not going to judge me on this, this next three and a half minutes. I've, I've, I've secured myself. I've got this report. Yes. And and that's something that I find is one of the most fascinating things, but we're coming into that point in the season where a lot of riders have got niggles, they've got injuries, they've got bruises They're you know, they've been bashed up in Leger and maybe, you come home for a couple of weeks and then now they're back out on the road. A lot of people are going to be sore from snowshoe. I don't think many riders got away without crashing. And some of the crashes like Cade, I don't know whether he didn't start because of that crash into that tree or, or what, but I saw that crash again, a, a big impact. Um, you know, so all of these things, they've not got any time to recover. So everyone's um, I think they're just arriving today into Montsen-tan. So it, it's really straight back on it.
0: Yeah, and it's a big trek. Uh, if some of them had to drive, I'm sure the top elite guys were flying, but there's still a, there's not a close airport and then it's still a bit of a drive on the other side. And Mount Anne's a long, brutal track. We don't know what the weather's going to be like. Yeah, it's a tough, brutal, as like much as the season took a while to start, starts in June with some of these warm up races a little bit before that. It's gonna feel long now. Yeah, you know? yeah. There's a this lot of sad. riders that wished it was over, and there's a few that wish it was carrying on, like the Irish. Hey, I know. Have another four races for all week here. We're on yeah, top, yeah. top form, yeah. and a few of the other riders, like Vergier, sounds like he's well. He's at least done with snowshoe, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, so um, yeah, it's an it's a super fascinating time of year with these contracts, those negotiations going around in the background. Um, Ah, it's a fickle sport or eh? well, any sport in general. You just it is it just beats you up when you really down. It'll just you know smash you yeah kick you just straight in the teeth.
1: And then we've got the the exciting future uh, and talking about the Americans, I thought it was quite interesting. ASA, young ASA Vermet who obviously did incredibly well at the US Open. He was actually one of the core sweepers this weekend. And I think that caused a little bit of controversy because uh, you're sort of potentially giving the junior or the youth riders this opportunity. It's an incredible proving ground to turn up in front of potential sponsors, in front of teams, ride the track, get used to those conditions. And I think that there's two sides to it. I think that if a youth rider maybe could be selected for that, it would certainly give them advantage. You know, if you had some sort of form like formal process where different riders from different countries could act as one of the course sweepers. That might be a nice way to introduce youth riders onto the world circuit so that they're not coming in completely cold. But that probably isn't the role of a course sweeper. You know, I think the role of the course sweeper is primarily from a safety point of view and a, a safety standpoint, not a showcase. Um, I think Laurie, was doing it at one point before he was old enough. I think Jackson would have done it before he was old enough. And Finn I think Finn did a whole season. Finn did a season of doing it. Think about
0: that. Yeah, exactly. Before he got to Junior, he did a lot of those yeah. races. Yeah, and that's it's it's an interesting one an isn't it? Yeah. You mentioned something. They're meant to be there for safety. Well wow, I think Cathro gave him the ghost go you know he does the yes. two overlays. Acer won one of the sections by almost crashing as well, which didn't look very safe. This so is it, that's isn't it? Not ideal, exactly is that. It? I think this is We where... sound like grandfathers <laughs> I know. I mean, I know. They I know. are there for the safety of the other riders and clear the track.
1: To clear the track <laughs> and, and not just kamikaze it down. But I, I could when I saw that he was on track, I was like, huh, that's interesting. Is it you know, is there some sort of formal process here? Because I can I can see an advantage to it. And I know that some of the youth riders are going track side. you know, George Madley on Saracen is going to quite a lot of the races to be involved and to see and Felix Griffiths, another one of the youth riders who's coming up and they learn so much from being trackside. And I think mm, that for any young, that. you know, any young rider out there, I will always say, say to a young rider who's at, um, a, a race when your category is done. Get yourself back up the hill. Watch the elites come down. Because I do think it's an overlooked aspect of it. And you can't see, you can't gain that knowledge when you're on track doing your thing, you know, to stand back and watch it. And and funnily enough, Danny was regrettably having to watch the final. And it was the first time I was talking to him about this. It was the first time he was a spectator. And he couldn't believe how fast they were going. And I said, "That's the speed you boys go." But you don't, you know, when you're in it and you're amongst it, you're not a spectator. You don't always get that that viewpoint, that third party sort of viewpoint. So uh, it's incredible what you can learn from these events. And I think that if anyone's got the opportunity to go to a race, if you're considering, or should I bother, or should I not, you know, you learn so much. You get so much respect for the riders, male, female, senior, junior. the the skill level involved and also what goes into racing a world cup the actual process behind it and um i think that snowshoe is a very good example of that
0: haven't you hit the nail on the head on why the youngsters are so good like if you compare to previous generations there was mega magazines or videos once a year now you've got racing is live so you can watch that there's youth racing and all that. There's more experience than ever, but visually, you can take in so much information Absolutely. just by watching. You do just by learn watching. by watching. Yeah, yeah. You pick up subtle things that you mimic, and you copy, and, and ride. You know, I know riding with Brendan, I'd pick up a certain thing, and riding with someone else, and, and all those sort of things. Um, and like the local racing in America is clearly helping again with Nico's side with these. Yeah. Young racers turning up and competing against Gwyn and you know doing incredible times. Maybe Gwyn's not pushing as crazy as he does at a World Cup, but you start gaining confidence with yourself and your riding and, and all these things. But just the amount of information on the internet, I think, is helping these youngsters at an early age.
1: Completely, and Ace, I think, even gave an interview for Pink Bike after U.S. Open, and I think somewhat the, one of the questions was, one, you know, what your greatest achievement so far, or what do you feel it, as though your success has been. And he was naming, I beat Richie Roode at this, I beat Gwynny at that. Really? And it, yeah, and it was, it was. You can see that that's a motivator for him. He's on the same track as these people, and if you can put yourself in a position where you get to be on the same tracks as these people, and like you just said with the the ghosting. If if I can, if you and me ride the same section of track, I will learn what you're doing better than me straight away because it's the same section of track. We've had a third party film us and they've gone, Alan, can you see what Andrew's doing here? Can you see what you're doing there? Oh, okay, I can learn something from it. But if I'm riding my track at home and you're riding your track, I can't learn the same thing. You know, we're on completely different terrain. And for these juniors to be on the World Cup tracks and to see and the different practice times and i think you'll also see now i hate to say it but you'll see some of the elite riders going up to watch the juniors because they're like right where where's pinkerton going
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah no definitely and when you know jackson and jordan were putting down those times there is stuff you can learn or at least you can expedite your line choice yeah, just, exactly. That. You can just speed up speed up the learning for sure. Yeah. I don't want to gloss over someone we should have spoken about. Uh, we are going through the race result. Bernard Kerr, he seemed to have made a mistake in a section he, he was really excelling in. So he loves Snowshoe. Yeah, he loves it. On the it. podium again. Matt Walker back in the mix.
1: Yeah, that was great to I see. Think
0: that that's really good, and then the youngster that they're helping, Jacob Jewett. You know these sort of results, like we just mentioned, like you do build confidence from seeing yourself on that result sheet in a final. Yeah, against the best riders in the world. Yes, not every rider had a great race. Greg Minors not there; didn't have a great race. Luke Bruni's fallen off. Doesn't matter. You have twelfth. You've got to get down the hill. That's the skill in itself, you know. So that's really co- cool to see. But in the in the women's. Um, Gloria's done another podium. That's yes, I know. At the previous one and now. So you've got another lady, if she's not doing Enduro and comes to Downhill, she's got two podiums. So that whole this, argument of can we have more than 10? Yeah. It's ringing a little bit more true here. Um, and the same for Tarnak, you know, patiently getting back, kind of like Marine building. They're building, it's really awesome to see them building on their own trajectory. Not getting too ahead of themselves, you know, just taking step by step on that ladder.
1: Yeah, I, I thought it was cool. Um, it, I was really chuffed to see Tarn-, Tarn out there. Funnily enough, I was in the gym, one of the gyms I coach at, and she trains there. And I'd gone. Rachel was in for a physio, so I was just in the gym, you know, myself for a bit. And she was in there, and we we had a bit of a catch up. And she was glad to be home, you know, glad to have sort of come home, get a chance to reset. And she was flying out the next day. And I think she enjoys that sort of that process where she can sort of get herself back at home, sort herself back out, and then she's off again. And. It, it sort of shows really. I think she probably enjoyed that time at home, got in the gym, sorted herself out. And and it's great to see her showing what she's capable of because I I, I do think we're still yet to see Tane's true potential. I think she's got more. I think there's more to give. And um, when she's on it, she really is on it.
0: Yeah, no, no, definitely. And and it's awesome to see her building back there. You 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 mentioned something, getting to go home, resetting. Mm. That's a big thing when this the season starts dragging, especially if your results aren't quite what you want or expect. Someone like Troy Brosnan, I don't think he went home.
1: Yeah.
0: I, I don't yeah. know, I could be wrong, but yeah. Europe, Leger, how many weeks were there? Like I feel I don't like think he didn't. he'd have gone home for that. I don't think he no. would have gone home because it's so far and then it's a big flight. It starts being a little draining. The longer you're away from home, for sure. um, it's harder for the Southern Hemisphere riders. If the momentum's on your side, results are going. It's it's, it's easier, but that's sometimes what's happening. There's just this subconscious burnout that starts happening. Living out of a bag, it's it's it really can be draining. You know, for guys that didn't get to quickly reset. Like, oh, I get to go home for a week or two, and then okay, I've just got two more weeks on the road, but I've no, been no, no. home already. You know.
1: I think it must be really difficult and, and you're in a team environment whereby you are hanging out with and trying to relax with potentially the people that are deciding whether you have a job next year or not so it must be hard to truly relax and mm. for for those people who've been injured I know Luke Myers-Smith has suffered his sort of his season's been really up and down. It started off incredibly, had an injury, came back, did really well, had another injury. And he's just sort of on this comeback. But all the while, I think his base is in Leger, in Morzine. So he's not had a chance with his brother to go home. And I think that must be difficult being on the road in quite, a, probably quite a tight unit of people. Um, and then, you know, for him, he was very frustrated with that crash, but he's super motivated going into this last one. And I think it really comes down to how you approach these events and, and trying to keep yourself um, excited, motivated and doing the things that you know work for you. Because some people to come home is a really important thing and potentially it's you have to make that happen. And I know for me, I can't be on the road. I like to come home, even if it's just for a day. And you know, when my alarm goes off at four o'clock in the morning to get up and get to the airport, that sucks. But I know I'll be at home by lunchtime and hey, I can relax, I can have a day at home, be with the family you know and this is just me i'm not the one having to ultimately give my physical best so i can certainly see that whatever works for the rider i think they need to be honest with themselves and 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 discuss it with the team you know i need a bit of t- i need a day off from everyone can i just be on my own for a day you know some <laughs> yeah, pe- <laughs> maybe some enough. people need that and and i certainly recover different personality types you know people recover on their own or some people yeah re- introvert recover with, versus yeah.
0: extrovert 100% and, yeah and maybe I'm not condoning it but maybe you need two glasses of wine or three beers to just yeah. like get you out of your own head I'm not yeah. saying it has absolutely. to be that no, no, it could absolutely. be whatever is your way of unwinding like with me and you you'd be like okay go play your nine holes but Use a card, so you're not on your legs. Exactly. Do the thing that distracts you. Exactly that. You know, especially in these contract things, right? Yeah. Because all you're doing is bikes, 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 and thinking about bikes, and then thinking about contracts. Like, it's draining. You need to give that mind mind a rest. Um, It's not a related topic, but maybe it's giving himself a rest. Is Richie Rude after an incredible enduro season, hops back on a downer bike? I know. think it's like first time in 10 years or i don't know at a world cup at least whatever the number is it's a big number the guy's in the final Incredible. he was riding that's bloody impressive i know he flattered but he got himself in the final without being protected
1: i, I was that's really cool eh? i think that's really cool and i think that um i don't know whether i've been suckered in with the marketing spiel of, that, what? of the fact that yeti built the bike for him because he wanted to go back racing downhill but i love the idea i'd like to believe that that's what happened <laughs> i would love to think that yeti went you know what richie will support you in this we'll put together a bike let's go
0: racing. to like keep him happy in general. yeah 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 that's exactly super, yeah you know I be- kind of half believe that i think yeah and, and maybe yeah. yeah maybe long run they do want to have a downhill bike again I think i will get back into downhill let the rumors start here
1: well when you see when you see riders cuz Dylan Levesque went to race Châtel EWS didn't he or EDR as it is now he went to do the enduro and he did phenomenally well at that event but you see some of the others who dip into that and they find that I might be one of the best downhillers in the world but I'm not one of the best enduro riders in the world and then the shoot, you know there is that flip side to it the world's best enduro riders they're not the best downhillers. It's a very, very different game they have to play. But to see Richie Rude, class is class, isn't it? When you've got someone yeah. who's got the skills on the bike and the attitude to race, it was really interesting and and really cool to see him right up there.
0: Yeah, and they did the Whistler one as well. So that that gave him a little bit of time on the bike mid season, maybe did a bunch of runs at Whistler as well as that race. And then you because you hear someone like Jack Moore say, you know what? I, I it's gnarly out there. Have you seen my practice videos that I put up on YouTube? Yeah. Like I'm not dipping, I'm not going to just dip my toe. Yeah. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to need some time on the bike. And it's almost like, yeah, it would be a little bit big headed to just think you could just come back at this level sure. of the sport, you know? And I think, but Richie put the time in and and put some prep in. Um, and also he's just class. He could have easily been still in downhill and not transitioned. To EWR or EDR, EDR. Yeah, I get those names pretty mixed up, but <laughs> it'll, maybe I'll get better next year. Yeah, but maybe nice. yeah. I mean, I'm sure we've missed something as we do in every episodes, and that will we carry on doing them. um I I heard from some, like I said, some awesome people reached out because I'd maybe misunderstood a rule or not knowing that it existed because of COVID. So hit us up in the DMs. I don't know what else there is, Alan.
1: We need to what we need to do, Andrew, is We need to go away. We need to get our heads around what is happening for this final round, because the points are going to be up for grabs, but we don't know when and how. Um, I still haven't got my head around the protective rule for the, from the semis <laughs> to the final. Currently, I can't, I can't get my head around it at all. I
0: think it's the one I argued with Spinner. Yeah. I think it's yeah. an addition thing. I think it's ten. Yeah. I mean, well, five and an addition. Okay, yeah. so, you st- so then it's not because we're ill-prepared. We just oh, haven't it's... quite got no, the communication I, right on that.
1: I think it's some of these things we still need to get our heads around. And considering I'm at the races and I sometimes wonder, is he in? And I'm like, Greg, have you got through? Or are you 29th and we're just going to get through? You know, it's all of these things that I can't sometimes get my head around. Uh, but for the final, the, the key thing for me is how – Monsantin's going to play out. Are some of the guys who are in the title hunt, the women's is a little bit different because that's been decided. So what's going to happen there? Is Nina going to try and take a victory because she's been knocking on that door? Is Maureen going to come back and say, you know what, I'm going to stamp it again. I can beat you all. I'm going to do it again. Or is Valley going to ride carefree, which is probably the ultimate position to be in and really maybe show us, you know, where she can go when she's riding at her absolute limit and she puts in a clean run. And for the men, are we going to have a surprise winner, another, an eighth winner? Yes. And I, Good I, I almost, I think that to me is a really exciting thing. And I will, I have to say my money's on that eighth winner because eighth, an yeah, eighth winner. yeah, I think we're going to get another and new winner. And will that
0: winner have won a world cup before?
1: Yes, I think so. I I've got my. So it's a I've previous
0: winner of a World Cup.
1: Yeah, I think so. Is gonna. You think the old
0: dog can do it? Is that what you're alluding um, to? I. I he's got to be pissed off by now. He's not happy. He he he's got to be fired up by now. Yeah, hey, we can't have happy. a podcast without the silly goat being mentioned. Yeah. so we might as well. He's mention not going to
1: be happy. And I, I think that f- for all the bad luck Danny's had as well, I think Ooh. if he can, you know he's done so well at Monsantin before he's going to come in Danny, just ride like Danny and he'll be right at the sharp end. I think you've got a lot of, there's a lot of riders that, you know, really could do something on that track. And when potentially they're not in the title hunt, you know, but yeah, but maybe if you're not in the title hunt, you're at a better option. You know, you've got, um, the Canadians, Jackson and Finn, they're going to want to be showing themselves on on home turf. So, a lot to look forward to in and I, I can't wait, and uh, I will be watching the semi final again, Andrew. And I hope you will join me watching the semi final.
0: All right, I'll think about it. <laughs> I know people must be like, "What are you doing? You're doing these review things." <laughs> I I don't know. It like to me, it also gives away a bit of the track and the story, and I just want to like be excited for the final. Um, what did you think about Gwynne's commentary? Because I thought he
1: was brilliant. I I really thought that the commentary was pretty good this this week. I thought they all played off each other quite well. I thought he brought another element to the table. Yeah,
0: I think it. I think it takes the pressure off the other guys. Um, yeah. I think Gwynne is incredibly intelligent with his racing. You don't win five World Cup overalls without it. I think the challenge is three people in the booth and a three minute run. Yes. So, like, you can't get enough about Gwyn because you've got to commentate the race and what's happening on the action. So, yeah, no, definitely. I think he, I think, I think Gwynny's great. I think it keeps him busy. You can hear him. It's like, keeps him a bit busy at the races. So, he likes to do it. I think he knows an incredible amount about a a vast array of riders. It's not just the few that he can, is like linked to. Yeah. He really is, you know, passionate about the sport. Whereas you, and I've said it before, I think someone else, where you could easily, he could easily be in his bubble as he should winning races, you know, but he has a broad knowledge. He knew like things about Max Hark and just Yeah, there, exactly. You know, like yeah. that to me is almost more random because I don't think he sort of crossed paths with him. No, no, he's great. Um, and I think, you know, everyone's getting better. I think, but I, th- I I have said it before, being in the booth with three people is a challenge in itself. Yes, but they worked. They worked well together. But it's it's always like you wanna you wanna hear like when he's inside, but you gotta know. like be quick him, to like the splits yeah. up, and it's like oh yeah. you've talked over the guy. It's like I think what I'm trying to say is like that job is way harder than you think. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, props to him for jumping in there and, and and doing well. But I mean, it's no surprise he's a he's a pro.
1: Yeah, I enjoyed. I think what I was what I wanted to say was I I enjoyed the commentary. I thought it was good. I thought uh, they. You know, Rick sort of managed that, and and let Gwynny sort of be the colour commentator almost. I do wonder whether Cedric maybe sidelined a bit in that situation because of what Gwyn was bringing. But I I really enjoyed it, and I thought that it was nice to to see how how things progress from semi to final. But I think the challenge for the riders is is huge. You know, being able to step up for the semi, lay it all on the line for those who aren't protected, and then have to go again.
0: Yeah, and like snowshoes physical obviously because you're going to go as hard as you can for three minutes do you think mountain and like that yeah two runs on that track exactly quite physically draining like arm pumps a thing at that track at least for some riders yeah definitely and also um, the, the
1: weather the weather could really true. you know throw a spanner in the works here like let's be honest we're in canada in october you know it's it's when we were joking about it at the start of the season we were joking that you know there could be snow and i, I certainly hope there isn't snow but let's just hope that we can get a race that isn't dictated by the weather. Let's hope that the weather plays ball. We've got a beautiful autumn day and everyone can ride their bikes flat out down the hill and we can we can watch it unfold.
0: There we go, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> that was your Crank Brothers Race Review with Crank Brothers Ambassador and Coach to the Stars, Alan Milway. Thanks so much for bringing the, the awesome inside info. We can't be at all the races, Um, and, and it gives us a different insight. Like that's when we text offline. I said, don't worry. There's a different thing we can We can can really relate to the people at home that don't get to go to all the races. We can watch it from their side with a few inside infos, but, um, they synonymous with downhill racing. They won this race as well. Just saying in the men and the women, they won the world champions for the 13th year in a row, Charlie Hatton shame. He's out with injury. Yeah, shame. There's been a lot of injuries this year, but um, I'm in those shoes, best shoes I've ever ridden. Um, just unbelievable support, stiff where you need them, but as well as super comfy. I know Alan's on some of the other products as well. So do yourself a favor, go check out that product offering. And uh, you know the biggest thing you can do is probably share it with a friend. Oh, and we are on YouTube. So if you want to see some clips, follow Moving the Needle podcast on YouTube. Give us a comment, we'll engage there. Uh, till the next one thanks very much thank you during my racing years and even now i take my health and nutrition pretty seriously i must say it was so difficult though to stick to a routine and to remember to take all those necessary supplements then i found ag1 i'm so excited to partner with them personally and for this podcast i actually started taking ag1 long before this partnership even came about now you might ask what is this stuff? Think of AG1 as your all in one health insurance. I know I do. I have never been one for taking a million different supplements or vitamins. So, this is the perfect all in one solution. Honestly, I actually look forward to taking it. I do it first thing in the morning. I feel more alert and focused, and I know I'm taking care of my body and health. I feel energized to get my day going. Covering my nutritional basis for the day literally couldn't be easier, and that's why I trust AG1. I just mix one small scoop with water and drink it first thing each morning, as I said, and then I'm done. So, check this out. With that one scoop of AG1 I've been talking about, you're absorbing, listen to this, 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day right. This is a special blend of ingredients that supports your gut health, nervous system, immune system recovery and helps enhance your focus it contains less than one gram of sugar no gmos and none of that nasty chemical artificial anything all while still tasting good now let's all be honest with each other we all know we don't eat enough vegetables or consume the healthiest meals some of the time especially when we get busy we all want something quick and easy which will help us in life ag1 supports better sleep quality recovery mental clarity and alertness Now, I don't care what you do in life. I think we can all agree this is super important. AG1 is trusted by so many professional athletes and health experts. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com forward slash moving the needle, that's again, drinkag onecom forward slash moving the needle to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. The link will be in the show notes as well.